Well, good morning to all of you and happy Sabbath. And I want to say that it's certainly a privilege for me to, to be speaking for the Madison College Alumni Church Service. Growing up in Portland, Tennessee at Highland Academy, of course, Highland um, came from Madison originally as Fountainhead School. And um, I was thinking about how nearly everywhere that I've lived, maybe with the exception of College Dale when I went to Southern, uh, there's a direct or indirect connection um, to Madison. So including my time at Highland where I graduated from Academy in 1996, Loma Linda, of course, there's a connection there. And then even um, down in Lawrenceburg where I live now, there was the sanitarium there for many years that, that came from Madison. And the the Madison nursing students would come down there for rotations. So uh, Madison has certainly had um, an influence. And of course, my grandfather, Dr. Albert Dittis, attended here from 1933 to 1936. And I believe uh, my grandmother also did some graduate work here at one point. Um, and even my wife, Joelle, uh, went to watch at a Hills Academy with the Clarks and remembers Saturday evening worships where Dr. Clark would read from God's beautiful farm. And so we certainly have a deep appreciation for um, the rich history that, that comes from this institution. And um, before I go any further, I would, I'd like to offer a word of prayer, and then we'll get into our message for this morning. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for bringing us here today and for this Sabbath where we can worship you and where we can remember the days from the past where you worked in a, in a mighty way on this campus and the work that was started here has spread so far. Lord, we thank you for what has happened here and how you're continuing to use that influence and I just pray that you would be with us now in the, the, remaining, the rema remaining part of this worship service, that the Spirit would speak to our hearts, because we are living in very interesting and momentous times of, of this earth's history. And we believe that Jesus is coming soon, and we just pray that we would carry the spirit of the Madison pioneers to the conclusion of this earth's history, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The title for the message today is Remembering the Former Days, based on the scripture reading from Hebrews chapter 10, where it says, Call to remembrance the former days. You know, it's amazing to me that despite the fact that this school closed 51 years ago, here we are still today all these years later because there is something uniquely special about Madison. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but there's something uniquely special about Madison. And it's not a coincidence that the work that began here and the experiences of so many people, the students, the faculty, and the guests that came through the sanitarium and hospital. It's not a coincidence that what happened here was so significant. 
because it was here at Madison, and I know it was touched on earlier this morning, that the self-supporting work began in the Adventist church. And despite the fact that there were some political challenges with the nature of that work at that time, as we all know, Ellen White believed in this work so much that this ended up being the only institution of which she served as a member of the board validating the self-supporting work from that point on to the close of this earth's history. And the significance of that is that God has worked not only through denominational lines, but through the self-supporting work to sustain a line of Adventists who still believe and support the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. That is why God blessed Madison in such a powerful way. You know, Sutherland and McGann certainly had their their faults along with their many strengths. And of course, we know some of the history connected to their time, well, Sutherland's time at Walla Walla and their time together at Battle Creek College, and then they moved to Berrien Springs, and then their sudden resignation in around 1904, and of their movement here to the south, and I'm sure most of you know most of this history, but as someone who was born 13 years after the school closed, I have to rely on the books rather than personal experience to know what happened. And as I've read the history, and I've read more than one book about Madison, one of the things that really stood out to me was that Sutherland and McGann made a commitment that they would follow everything that inspiration said. What an example that lives on to this day. And many of us would avoid a lot of the problems and a lot of the challenges that we run into if we would simply follow all of the counsel. You know, God has been good to us as a church. He has given us the testimony of Jesus. And Sutherland and McGann saw the value, and they were tested on that very principle, as we know, at the very outset, because their idea was to go to East Tennessee or to somewhere in North Carolina, and they wanted to get away from, as far as they could, from the type of work that they had been involved with. They wanted to just go out to a small, far-off place, have a few students do a small training school, and get away from the major frustrations and challenges they had just gone through. And as we know, Ellen White told them, if you go far away and you leave opportunities behind where you can train a large number of students, you will be burying your talents in the earth. You know, sometimes I wonder how many of us are burying our talents in the earth? How many Sutherland and and McGann's could be out there today if we would simply follow the counsel that God has given us and utilize the opportunities that God puts in front of us? 
because there is no question that when Sutherland and McGann faced this test, they get stuck at Neely's Bend and Sutherland had already seen the property and he didn't want to see it again, but Sister Wyatt wanted to see it. And she says, this is the property that I was shown that you, you should buy. They sat down and wept because they didn't want a piece of property full of gulches, a barren hillside, and lots of rocks. But God in his infinite wisdom saw that a school located close to Nashville, to a larger population area, was just the place that this school could prosper and flourish. And so Sutherland and McGann were certainly true to their commitment to follow the counsel of the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. I want to read a famous statement from Life Sketches, page 196. In reviewing our past history, having traveled over every step of advance to our present standing, I can say, praise God. As I see what the Lord has wrought, I am filled with astonishment and with confidence in Christ as leader. We have nothing to fear for the future, except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and is teaching in our past history. And you know, we're living at interesting times of Earth's history right now. As God's people, from a human standpoint, you could almost say we have much from a human standpoint. If God wasn't in the equation, there would be much to fear for the future. Are we going to live in a country where our freedoms as Christians, as Adventists, will be respected so that we can exercise our religion with freedom of speech without the fear of being called, being called bigoted and of losing our tax-exempt status for practicing what we believe the Bible teaches. But we are told we have nothing to fear for the future. Except as we shall forget the way the Lord has led us and his teaching in our past history. A lot of times we're good as Seventh-day Adventists at remembering the history, but we forget the teaching. And if Sutherland and McGann were alive today, they would certainly encourage us to not only remember the history of this institution, but to remember the teachings that they followed that made this institution what it was. It wasn't just history that makes Madison special. It's the teaching that was here at Madison that makes it special as well. And I want to go to our scripture reading, Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 32. But call to remembrance the former days in which after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of afflictions, partly while ye were made a gazing stock or a spectacle, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while ye became companions of them that were so used. 
You know, when we think back to the former days when Madison started and the conditions were so primitive in the early days, we're not talking about the golden age when the hundreds of thousands of dollars had come in through the industries that the school had raised up. We're talking about the early days when faculty were making $13 a month and people were using dry good boxes for their, um, their clothing drawers. What sacrifice, what commitment to Christ and to a message and to a method of education to prepare young people to be workers on this earth, not to be rich, famous, and prestigious, but to be workers for God. Remember the former days. After ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of affliction. And in the immediate context, Paul is speaking to the Jews who, after they accepted Christ, they went through persecution. That's the immediate context. But there's certainly application to anybody who chooses to follow Christ completely. And in verse 34, it says, For you had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. You know, it would be hard to find too many people on planet Earth today who would be willing to go through the privations and the difficulties that the early pioneers of Madison College put up with. And yet, the Apostle Paul, speaking to the 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 Hebrew Christians gives them a commendation because he said, when you accepted Christ and when you decided to commit your life fully and completely to the message of Christianity, you took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. The early Christians lost everything that they had for the cause of Christ, and Scripture says they took it joyfully. And when you look at the spirit of the early pioneers of Madison, as they were living in these primitive conditions and making a very low salary, they had a spirit of commitment to the cause of God. And of course, things eventually expanded and developed and grew. Eventually, a nursing school and a sanitarium were developed here. And the amazing thing is that Madison, as has been well chronicled and described, hit its golden age just as the United States at the Great Depression. So as the economy of the United States started tanking, the industry and the expertise of the godly young people that came out of this institution was such that while the nation suffered, Madison and its graduates flourished. That's nothing but the blessing of God. When students came out of Madison, as you well know, they were required to know two trades in addition to their schooling or education that they had. So when hard times came to this nation, the students were well equipped to handle a bad economy. Now that's some education. 
If one job didn't work out, well, they have another trade that they've learned, and they can just shift gears from one trade to another trade and sustain themselves, and they had a Christian knowledge to go with it. And as you probably well know, Floyd Brellier did a survey of about 1,000 students that were um, out on their own during the Great Depression, and of those 1,000 students, not one of them had to seek aid from the government during that time. I want to read this famous statement from Manuscript Releases, Volume 11, pages 192 and 193, written by Ellen White, January 6, 1908, 107 years ago. She says, if many more students in other of our schools were receiving similar training, we as a people would become a spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. The message would quickly be carried to every country, and souls now in darkness would be brought to light. And this was written to those bearing responsibilities in Washington and other centers. And of course, this concept of being a spectacle to the world, to angels and to men, is coming from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 9. And certainly, Madison College fulfilled that prophecy. Because by the 1930s and 40s, it was featured in Reader's Digest. Eleanor Roosevelt also sent people to check out what was happening here. Because it was so amazing that a self-supporting institution where students gave a $35 deposit as they came, and when they graduated, they got their deposit back. But because of their industry, they allowed this school to prosper through the money they, that came in through the industry. This was truly a model institution of what can happen when God's people follow his instruction. And so I certainly consider it a privilege to be the grandson of a graduate of Madison College. And my grandfather thought the world of Dr. E.A. Sutherland. I, you know, Dr. E.A. Sutherland is one of the people that I want to meet in the kingdom. He's someone that um, his spirit lives on. Interestingly, his great-grandson, Eddie, is a member of my church in Lawrenceburg. So at least I know some of his family. When you look at the type of education that Madison was offering, they were truly following a model of education that involved the physical, mental, and spiritual education, which interestingly, as Seventh-day Adventists, that's part of the first angel's message. The mental element of true education we see in the first angel's message where it says to fear God or give respect to him. And when it says to give glory to God, that scripture says whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. There's the physical element in the first angel's message. And it says to worship him. That's the spiritual element of the first angel's message. And so true education as part of the three angels' messages, was part of what Madison had to offer to its students. And obviously, it had such an impact on the students as they came through here that they said, we don't want to just go back out into the world. We want to take what we've learned here and take it to other places and start other training institutions. And obviously, throughout the South and even now throughout the world, there are many people who have carried on with that spirit that initially was started here. And when I think of the type of people that came, and of course not everything was perfect here, but when I think about the type of people that 
came to school here and who graduated from here, I think of this statement from the book Education, page 57, which is a well-known statement and which is a much-needed experience by God's people today. Education, page 57. The greatest want of the world is the want of men. Men who will not be bought or sold. Men who in their inmost souls are true and honest. Men who do not fear to call sin by its right name. Men whose conscience is as true to duty as the needle to the pull. Men who will stand for the right though the heavens fall. But such a character is not the result of accident. It is not due to special favors or endowments of providence. A noble character is the result of self-discipline, of the subjection of the lower to the higher nature, the surrender of self for the service of love to God and man. And I believe that these were the kind of students that Madison produced. You know, at this day in Earth's history, this late date in Earth's history, as the morality of our society is crumbling around us, and even in our church, we're questioning how we are going to interpret Scripture. The question today, will the spirit of Madison live on? Will God's people today take the challenge and say, by the grace of God, we will be men and women who will not be bought or sold? That in our inmost soul, when only God and us know, we will be true and honest. That we will not be afraid to call sin by its right name. And let me tell you something. Ellen White tells us in Child Guidance, page 440, that Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 32, is a description of this world just before Jesus comes back. You know what Romans chapter 1, 18 to 32 is describing? It's describing the city of Rome with a group of non-believing pagans who don't believe in creation and who are practicing sexual immorality that is now defined as legal by this country. But God will have a group of people on this earth who will not fear to call sin by its right name. Sin is still sin, even if the government says it's okay. And it's interesting that the two institutions that come from Eden, that come from creation, that Ellen White calls the twin institutions of marriage and the Sabbath. And let me tell you, if this nation can trample upon the law of marriage as ordained by God, it's not going to be long before they trample on the law of God as it pertains to the Sabbath. And now is, now is not the time of Seventh-day Adventists to be sleeping along and saying, oh, I bet people are going to say this is the end of the world. No, you better start waking up and be, uh, become aware of what's happening prophetically. The things that we've ar- always talked about as Seventh-day Adventists prophetically are happening before our very eyes, and yet in many ways we as Adventists are letting off a collective yawn and saying, oh, there's going to be a bunch of people that are saying this is another sign of the end. 
If this doesn't wake you up, I'm afraid you're going to stay asleep until it's too late. The greatest one of the world is the one of men, men who will not be bought or sold, who do not fear to call sin by its right name, men whose conscience is as true to duty as the needle to the pole, men who will stand for the right though the heavens fall. And I'm thankful for the spirit of the Madison College pioneers who with a love of Christ, instilled principles of true education that have sustained a line of thinkers and leaders in this church from that day to this. And I want to go back to our scripture reading, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. Picking it up in verse 35, it says, Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. You know, in many, many times I've seen through the years, Adventists have started to lose confidence in their belief of a soon-coming Jesus. They've been through trials. They've been through afflictions. They've been willing to sacrifice for the cause of God. But for some reason or another, they may reach a point where they start to lose confidence in the message that God has given to this church to proclaim to the world. And yet scripture says, cast not away therefore your confidence which hath great recompense of reward. And I can tell you today, as surely as I am standing here, that Jesus is coming again, and I believe that it's not far away. Verse 36. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Jesus is coming back. We have need of patience in the waiting time for Jesus to come back. As we look at the history of Madison, and it started so many years ago, and here we are 51 years even after the institution closed, yet we look back at the former days and we see how there was sacrifice and affliction and commitment to the cause of God. And let me tell you something now. For those of you who may have attended this institution, or whose family may have attended this institution and who you believed in this message, now is not the time to cast away your confidence in the message that this institution promoted and developed and sacrificed all those many years. Now is not the time to cast away your confidence. There is need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come, will come, and will not tarry or will not delay any longer. And as the world around us is crumbling and as we see the law of God coming under attack, we can gain confidence in the knowledge that Jesus is with us and that he will come back for us if we are faithful to him. And scripture continues, Now the just shall live by faith. 
That's the experience of justification by faith, which is the third angel's message in verity, which is a message that Dr. Sutherland and Percy McGann, they accepted while others may have struggled with. That was a message that they accepted and incorporated in their experience as they led the students here at this institution. The just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Now is not the time to draw back, but we are not like that. Amen? We are Seventh-day Adventists. We are not just hanging on to the coattails of Sutherland and McGann and saying, well, because they were faithful, if we still believe in what Madison did, somehow we'll get through. But no, their experience must be ours. Their commitment to God must be ours. Their dedication in saying that we will be faithful to all of inspiration, no matter what the cost, no matter what the affliction, no matter what the trial, even if it's not politically correct, God blessed them despite their, the challenges they faced for being true to inspiration. And now is not the time to turn back from the more sure word of prophecy that God has given to this church. And the spirit that Madison continued, which was really the spirit of the early pioneers of the Adventist church, Sutherland and McGann, carried that torch on. And that torch has been passed down from them to us through the years that have come. And as we come now to the end of the world, God is looking for Seventh-day Adventists who like Sutherland and McGann and Bessie DeGraw and Nellie Drulard and the many others who had such a spirit of sacrifice. God is looking for people like that today who will put their focus not on being rich, famous, prestigious, wealthy, whatever you want to call it, and being comfortable in the here and the now, but who will put their focus on the principles of God to sustain us, who will be faithful to the message, and who in the spirit of Christ will go forth in the spirit and the power of Elijah to prepare a people for the coming of the Lord. And I believe with all of my heart that Jesus is coming soon. Friends, it can't go on forever. The Spirit of God's not going to stay when a nation goes directly against his laws. And as the Spirit of God become, gradually withdraws from this nation, at the same time, he is going to pour out his Spirit in a powerful way upon those who will be true and faithful to him. Those who will call sin by its right name, who will be true as duty as the needle to the pole, who will stand for the right though the heavens fall. And by the grace of God, I believe that each one of us here in this room today can be part of that closing work. So may God continue to bless Madison College alumni. May God continue to bless the spirit of Madison and the institutions that are here represented today that continue that spirit. And every individual 
who was committed to the spirit of what Madison College stood for. And by the grace of God, someday very soon, there's going to be a special reunion in the kingdom of heaven. And we're going to see Dr. Sutherland again and Dr. McGann and Nellie Drulard and all the many other wonderful pioneers of Madison that were here. And it's going to be a great day in heaven. Amen. Hopefully we won't have too many more Madison College alumni. Hopefully before too long, the next Madison College alumni will be in the kingdom of heaven. Does that sound good, Brother Peacock? You won't have to be on this earth that much longer. We'll be in the kingdom. We don't, we don't want to have Madison College alumni 50 years from now. We want to be sitting under the tree of life talking to Dr. Sutherland again and Dr. McGann and all of the students that came through. That is our goal. So by God's grace, may we be faithful. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.